Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. All right, so we have a show document that we share. Um, it's a beautiful Apple Notes document, lovingly formatted by Dan. Beautiful. You know, long-time listeners of the show will know that sometimes super weird things uh, get put into this document. Um, what was that? I kind of keep thinking about it. What, what was the thing? I don't. There was like a. T- anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> one of the things this time says Premier Source shutting down. Now, if I remember rightly, Premier Source was the company that you use to interface with Chinese manufacturers. No, no, no. So, Premier Source was the company that made the like first initial glyph, uh, and so. Oh, okay. And so we've been working with them for eleven years now, almost. Um, so they like made the initial glyph, and they're in South Dakota. And then um, they had made like all the gl- all glyphs and the cosmonaut, um, and so they be- like be- do injection molding basically. Um, and Premier Source for a long time was a kind of its own thing, but owned by this larger company. Um, and then uh, three or four years ago, the larger company like sw- like kind of swallowed up Premier Source and like took them in to keep mm-hmm. it alive. Uh, but then, I don't know, like two weeks ago or a week and a half ago or something, we got an email saying like, well, uh, we're no longer doing like low, like small injection run, like production anymore. So we can't make your things anymore. Like, and we won't make any more like right away, like immediately. <laughs> so we lost oh, it's our like supplier from, for from the right now, the cosmonaut. right yep. now, no more starting yeah. now. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, like, warning, not like, you know, this is going to, you know, like, six months. It was, like, literally, like, the letter, which I think they sent to, like, all, everyone doing, you know, mm-hmm. low-run stuff. Um, that, yeah, like, basically, just, like, no more. And so, we were like, uh, what? <laughs> and so, um, so, yeah, we don't, we currently do not have a way to make Cosmonauts or Glyphs at all. Um and so we are working on that. Uh, but I think what's maybe more interesting about that in general is the kind of context and like why that happened. And I and I'm because that happened, I've been calling other small like injection molding places <laughs> to try to find another supplier. And um, I'm kind of hearing the same story from all of them a little bit. And so it's I think it's kind of interesting. Um, Can I take a guess at this? Yeah, yeah. There's no take plastic. Nope. Okay, because that is a thing that's happening. Uh, there's plastic shortages. Yeah, it's um, similar to that. It is okay. definitely like COVID and supply chain related. So basically, from my understanding of the reason why like Premier Source had to, like, well, our supplier had to go away was because... Um, Basically, there's large, they have like much larger. So we, you know, they, we are like a very small customer for them, right? Because we do like the smallest injection molding runs that are like possible. Like we do these really tiny runs. And um, 
and but they're like I said, they were like they're part of this larger company, and the larger company has clients that are big. Like I don't know who they are, but like you know, car manufacturers or people that make like hundreds of thousands or millions of things right at once. And so what there I'm hearing is that there's a lot now more of like um, injection molding coming back to the states because it's getting more expensive in Asia and other places, and it's such a nightmare getting things shipped, and it's so expensive getting things shipped here that just you know companies that would have been doing injection molding elsewhere are now trying to do it domestically and so those big orders are coming in and it's not worth for us for them to do like a run for us it's probably about the same amount of overhead to like start up the machine like get the mold like get everything going but for ours they'll run it for like i don't know a day and then they're done. But for these big orders, you know, they'd run it for weeks and weeks, you know? And so, um, and you know, they're usually bigger molds. And so there might be like 24 parts coming off of one mold at a time rather than like two or something, which is our, like our size of mold. So it's just not, it's just like, they're so busy that it's, they're, they're basically like, yeah, we could try to squeeze you in, but it's going to be a couple months from now. And then it might even, it might not even happen then. So it's like much better for you to just try to find a different supplier than like wait is basically the message that they're sending us like sorry we just like can't fit you in anytime soon and it's not like we had an open order it's not like we had an order that like we were waiting on and they canceled but they're just like you're you're not gonna get like you're not gonna get another order in basically and so um and and when i've been talking to these other like smaller injection mold suppliers they're they're I've heard a similar story where it's like, well, we're, we just are, we're so busy right now and we can't buy more machines because of the supply chain and we can't get any labor. Like the other problem is there's like a huge later labor sort shortage, like huge to run the machines. Uh, Cause a lot of these injection molding machines, you still need like someone standing there um, for many reasons. And so it's just like a double whammy of like labor shortage and these larger companies with larger orders like coming back to the states. And so we're like very much squeezed out of the market, I think in a lot of ways cuz we're like really tiny. So, I mean, the good I mean, hopefully I think we'll be able to find someone. I mean, we we have the molds, like the injection molds are like our property, so we get to have them and can take them to other suppliers. So it's not like we're starting over from scratch or anything. And, you know, our current suppliers being good about just like giving us all the data and stuff from from their runs. So it definitely won't be starting from scratch. But, yeah, just finding a supplier and then, you know, getting in line basically is um, a work in progress. And will probably be a while before we can make those again. So that sucks. Uh, and it's but, you know, it's an interesting like you know, a uh, network effect of like this COVID pandemic thing, which I think we're going to, you know, keep seeing for a long time. But uh, I think it's reaching, it's like slowly reaching its way into everything <laughs> again. So I don't know. It's um, sucks, but it's the way it is. Yeah. I think this is like, there's, there's still these long tail kind of fallout effects. Um, I mean, not that it's over, right? But in a lot of places, things have gotten back to work a little bit more. But then it's almost like the the Suez Canal type thing, right? Like yeah. something happens and the ripple effect takes a while before, mm-hmm. you know, and it can keep going for a long time. You have a big shutdown like that. 
um, and or the effects from a big shutdown like that. And it's going to take a while for it to be fully felt out everywhere, especially yeah. things like companies closing down. Um, that doesn't happen immediately. You know, it's like, what is it? Like that, that kind of that adage, it happens slowly and all at once. Yeah. It's kind of how these things tend to go, right? Like a company will try, as we've, it seemed like Premier Source, like try and get saved or save themselves somehow. But then if things don't improve for them, then it's just, they're just moving towards their inevitable. With the glyph, do you have glyphs? Like, do you actually have? Not a some? ton. Not a ton. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, what sucks is we, the way we were making these products is like they, and it worked for both of us, but it's, it's kind of like a just-in-time manufacturing thing where right. we wouldn't do like a huge run and then we'd ship out a bunch. Like we would do kind of little small runs. Um, as needed and that kind of, mm-hmm. i think kind of worked for them because they could kind of when they had like a lull in you know like if that press like that injection mold press was didn't have any work they could like put it in and run them and so i think it like kind of worked but that also mean we didn't have like a lot of stock and so when this happened it's like wait a minute we don't have a lot of, we don't have like this big uh lead time uh to get more product so that is the problem um like i think if we had six months we wouldn't be like sweating bullets but we definitely don't so that that's the that's what sucks um is it still a highest selling product for you no no i mean i would say i think it's both of them combined is like 10 it's i think it's like 10 to 15 percent of the total revenue right i I think that's what i remember so it's not like it's definitely something, but it's not mm-hmm. like half the business or something. Um, but that's that is an amount even ten to fifteen percent. You'll see that. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah like no, you know, absolutely. that's that's a, yeah. that's a double digit percentage. You'll see it. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. No. It's yeah. It's bad. Um, so you know, it's crazy. I mean, I, Mike, have you heard anything about um, just like sh- like shipping, like f- international freight costs and stuff? Like, have you heard that through the grapevine? No, about like how expensive they are. Not yet. It's crazy. So <laughs> to give Not you an yet. example, I saw, a tw- I don't know why I see all this stuff. I guess it's just like my self-selection of like Twitter. You know what or to look I don't for. Know. Yeah. Too. But um, I just saw like a tweet today that was like, I think it was eight. It's either, it was like a year ago or 18 months ago. It would cost about like $2,500 to ship a container from like Shanghai to New York. And now it's $15,000. <laughs> That's it's like a six was that like a six x increase or something? Oh my god! Mm, yeah. yeah, and and it's way slower, and it's like and and I think air freight is got is even more like gotten even more skyrocketing, like it's so much so that like companies are like buying old seven forty sevens and stuff, like to fly their things from <laughs> Asia. Like I think I I heard like Home Depot like bought a like a cargo ship, like bought their own cargo ship. So that they could like move goods from Asia to it here would be without faster and ultimately cheaper. Yeah, or yeah. or maybe just they couldn't like the lines were too long or something. I don't really understand. It's like a such a complex thing, but basically, I just hear nothing but like, oh yeah, it's it's horrible. And I mean, it, it was incredibly expensive for us. Like we just got the bill for <laughs> shipping the Mark II parts, which we can talk about. But the just like the freight and like duties fee for shipping the Mark II parts is just like crazy expensive. So um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think I I don't. Who knows if it will stick around? But if like this sticks around as like a thing, I think it's really going to change the landscape of manufacturing uh, because it's just like 
you know, that's like real expensive. That that um, that will go down. I'm confident that will go down. Like, I guess. I mean, who knows? I don't, like yeah. it's, you know, I have no idea. I don't know enough to know what are the underlying reasons are. So it's like hard to know if they'll go down. But yeah, it's pretty bonkers. Also, right now is like the most expensive. It's like the worst time to sh- ship stuff right now anyways, just because like the holiday season. So I'm sure that that is like crazy influencing mm. it, but mm. I don't know. Anyways, no, it's I'm uh, not excited it, to hear that because I have something that I'll be shipping soon. Yeah, it's just more yeah. journals, right? Like I'm just making more <laughs> journals. And uh, mm-hmm. but are they coming over sea or is it is it just um, air? Yeah, air, but it's air freight. Yes. Yeah. No, it's expensive. It's yeah. not good. Well, I'll, I'll look yeah. forward. Maybe honestly, like maybe. Just maybe I could just like get a few people and we'll just put them in some suitcases and like check them. And, uh, just I think you us. might be. I think you might be shocked about how much bulk notebooks are. No, I know. Uh, like, I, I, I've seen I, like just even our smaller orders. Like it's filling half a truck. Like yeah, truck it's like oh pallets. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I will say like. With, I don't know why, but like at least coming from Europe to the US, it hasn't been too bad. Like during COVID, um, even when mm-hmm. I, I was talking to people, or people like even you guys, like things were going up. And like we were seeing it, like when we were putting things on on boats when they were coming from China, also during the pandemic, way more expensive than air. I don't know why. I mean, it's going. I mean, it's going much longer distance, obviously. Um, I don't know if I've just been lucky, but I have noticed that like. Uh, I, again, like, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is different for you guys, but I don't really know enough about freight, so I would just kind of go with whatever the manufacturer suggests. Like, they just mm. have a freight agent, and they just help, and they just get it on a plane. But what I have noticed is, like, they say it will go on a certain date, but it might not, or, like, yeah. half of it might, you know, because they're just yeah. kind of squeezing this stuff. In case you don't know, to my limited knowledge of this, they're kind of just squeezing this into like empty space in luggage holes and stuff, right? It's like how a lot of this yeah. goes. They like, you know, there's a plane already on its way. It can be filled with X more. We'll just put some on there. So like I had an mm. order, it was like three pallets once and two arrived and then a week and a half later, the other one arrived. Yeah. Mm. It's just when they can get them on the planes. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. I wonder if that's gonna, I, I was curious with the like iPhone launch, what that would do, like, what that is doing and what that would do for supply chain or and i was curious if if apple was gonna you know manage expectations or or what i guess it seems like it's normal you've got to assume that they are unaffected by some of this stuff like that they've had these planes booked out for like two years you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that they I, just I, have this like, I, I thing and they know it's gonna happen every time so like i don't know it's like how they, you know, like there's, I just heard someone mention this the other day, like there was the time where Apple just bought all the NAND flash in the world for iPods. It's yeah. Like, this is just, you know, we just have it all, so it's fine. We, we've got that, so that's just all taken care of for us. Which is why, like, they didn't seem to really have any significant issues with the, like, the chip shortages that have been yeah. occurring. Like, yeah. they had very small uh, supply chain problems. Compared to everybody else, yeah, they just build everything. It's it's a weird. So you know, it's not an awesome time to be a small little fish no, <laughs> in a big no, pond. No. you're like, well, hey, what if? Yeah, what like about we just, that? you know, like we just were told, like, oh, papers go, prices are going up. I was like, okay, 
<laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah, no, you, of course you, they are. Yeah. I, you know, it's just like, well, at least you know you can't do anything, right? At least you know there's no negotiation. Like, with your, you know, it's not I like prefer can... that, honestly. Like, just tell me, just tell me what it's going to be, and then we'll just deal with it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So, yeah, do you, I, I mean, mean I, I feel for you guys, like, having to find a new supplier, like, at a time when I'm sure you were doing other stuff, uh, that kind of sucks. It's, these are type, some of the things, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but like, it's kind of one of the things where you're like, oh, well, at least we know we've got this part taken care of. And then all of a sudden you don't. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like, oh, man. Yeah, it's always something. I mean, basically, it's always something. I think, you know, we've gotten much better at just, just, just accepting that things happen and not, you know, just just dealing with the problem rather yeah, than just like, yeah. you know, lamenting it over and over again. Because it's just always going to be something. This is the game we're playing, right? We're, we're, we're playing in the big pool with the big boys and we're just kind of like not a big boy. And so we're kind of like, well, okay, okay, we don't really have any leverage here. We'll just, uh, you know, figure it out. So, I mean, that's what we're doing here. Uh, so... It's, you know, it's is what it is. It's not awesome, but we'll keep going. So, you know, it's ups and downs as always. Mm-hmm. But uh but the 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 good news is is that we the Mark II parts are like done and oh. I don't think they have quite, you know, like it's like you said it's hard to know like with shipping. I think they're basically like they should be shipping any moment, but it's like when exactly will that happen? But they're going on a plane, um, but uh, so they're done, and so that's exciting and good. So that feels good that that hopefully you know that will be re- moving along again in a big way. So that feels good. I've been and, seeing uh, Dan. I've been seeing you doing manual packaging stuff on Instagram. Oh yes, <laughs> yes indeed. That looked like fun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh, I mean, the packaging for Mark II has been a whole, uh, a whole odyssey okay. uh, for us, and it's. Um, I mean, it's fine. There, no problems. Uh, more just uh, moments of self reflection <laughs> and. Uh, wondering kind of the best way to approach things. So there's kind of two things I think that are worth talking about. One is how do you strike the right balance between having something really nice? Like we always talk about, you know, a nice out of box experience and, you know, obviously Apple and many other companies are kind of known for like nice packaging that creates a nice, vibe and a good feeling when you're experiencing the product for the first time and so obviously that's a goal like obviously that's something you want to do you don't want it to feel like literal trash that you're like tearing (laughs) open to uh to get the product but like how like how far is too far and how do you balance like cost and effort and all like where is the sweet spot and i feel like we're always kind of adjusting and trying to find that so one thing that we've been wanting to do recently for all of our products is to in some way indicate that there are people behind these products and we are literally 
like our company, the two people in this company are the people in most cases that are doing the QA process. We're doing the assembly, as you can see in the Instagram time lapses. There's like, I think a much more of a personal touch than I think a lot of people realize. Even some of our biggest fans might not understand the degree to which we kind of have our hands on our products as we're putting them together and packaging them up. So the question becomes, what is the best way to communicate that to a customer? And then how do we do that in a way that is not adding a bunch of either cost to the packaging or kind of even more manual effort um, into the process? So to use an example, with the Mark II, um, we have this packaging that's like a a heat-sealed uh, pouch, which is what we've kind of been moving to for a lot of our products. But inside of that, and the inside of the pouch is kind of like this cool, like, metallic-lined material. And so initially, we were worried about it being a little feeling weird to have like just the pen in there. So we got this, what is called deli wrap. It's basically a thin paper that you might wrap a deli sandwich in, <laughs> but we're going to wrap the pet, like fold it in a way to where the pen is kind of wrapped up in a very kind of like, I guess, handmade kind of feeling way. And then there'd be a sticker closing that wrapping that uh, was initialed as kind of like a, QA seal of quality type thing like hey this was assembled in Austin like here's a sticker here's a uh, initial on it Um, and so that was the plan and then we also printed out these little uh, kind of like letters that they're like little cards that are going to go in the packaging too that are basically just like hey we made this thing we hope you like it like that type of message Um, and then as we got closer and we were like you know, thinking, okay, do we need to like build jigs to make the folding easier? Kind of all these things. It was just kind of a moment of reflection between Tom and I was just like, have we gone too far? Like this is going to add a ton of labor (laughs) to like do the, uh, the folding of this like deli wrap thing, like, you know, times 1500 or however many we have for the Kickstarter. It just, crossed the line to us i think where it was like okay i don't think the payoff is necessarily worth it for how much added labor it's actually going to add to do this and then plus in getting the pouches and seeing them in person we realized that it wasn't actually necessary to have that deli wrap like just having the pen in the pouch felt totally fine and protected and it didn't feel weird at all so Unfortunately, like we already bought the deli wrap thing. So that's kind of like a sunk cost that we're just, you know, having to absorb. But it's always I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add, Tom, but it's we're always kind of like dancing around. Like, how do we want it to feel when someone gets it? But how do we make it something that's not super labor intensive to actually like put this all together? And it's even though we've been doing this for and it's not like wasteful, a three variable. So, yeah, yeah right. it's like a three variable thing, and it's always so complex. It's like, oh, which way? And I, yeah, for some reason, this Mark II packaging process really exposed that. I don't know. Maybe it's because we had like extra time to think about it because we've been waiting for these parts to get remade, and so we just mm-hmm. like had more time to think about the packaging. But um, yeah, it really is kind of a uh, 
it's just like a it's it's just a really odd. Pro- I mean, it's it's a really difficult problem to like. Yeah, how do you at once like you want a product that, especially for like this Mark II, it's like very. The thing we want is it for, to be absolutely perfect. Like we don't want it to have like um, interesting character or scratches or anything. We want it to basically be like this polished, perfect thing. But at the same time, we want to communicate that like Tom and Dan assembled these yeah. and like looked yeah. at every one. And so like, how do you do it? And the my our initial idea was, if you buy, there's a company in Japan called Mitutoyo, and they make like really fancy like calipers and <clears throat> things for measuring stuff and they can be like really high end and if you buy the nice ones they're like have certifications and and like calibrations already attached and if you buy these like super precision machine machine gauges and stuff they always come wrapped in this kind of like paper that's kind of like deli wrap and then they're in like a plastic case, but they have this kind of deli wrap. And the deli wrap is the thing that communicates like, hey, like there was a person who like wrapped this up and like put a sticker on it and kind of like wrapped it like a present. But then it's in this very fancy case. And so um, that that's kind of what we want to communicate. Like we have this product. It's like as perfect as we can make it. And we don't want it to seem like handmade at all yet. It is in a way handmade in a lot of ways, and so like, how do you communicate that? And uh, and it's really tricky because we don't want to be like completely like quote corporate or something where we have like this perfectly printed like literature or whatever that goes with the product and like perfect packaging and perfect product because then there's no and that's what we've done in the past I think a lot like there's no there's nothing there except you can maybe be mm-hmm. like kind of silly or cheeky with the copy like inside the packaging, but you, but it's not really personal. Um, yeah. There's also so that, like, that, all that stuff's been co-opted anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, and then now oh. it's been super co-opted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, how do you actually do it? Like if I open a box and the box tells me I look nice today, I want to destroy the box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, that was cute. Like five or six yeah. years ago or something, but now it's not cute anymore. It's like, yeah. you're just, yeah, exactly. So how do we do that? Um, and so it's tricky because then you also don't want to look like you're operating your first abc business out of your garage right like you don't want to go too far and make it not look like a professional Mm high-end piece of like precision made equipment which is what you make right like these are very well designed things yeah yeah (laughs) so you don't want it to like i don't know like it's just like there's no there's no room for amateur yeah there's no amateur uh, uh, we don't need any amateur but we need like per like personfulness and so yeah it's a real challenge it's really tricky and we know how to make things like that would seem really pro right like we know how to make packaging that looks like that seems really pro like if we wanted to we could make like apple level packaging if we wanted to spend a ton of money right like we could do that the design process to do that is actually pretty easy but the design process to like in the middle somehow like communicate that there's people but they're not amateurs that like touch this it's like how (laughs) that's that's hard And I mean, I don't know if we have so like the deli wrap is out, too. right? No deli wrap anymore. Yeah, the deli, deli wrap, wrap is out. Is I think the deli wrap in in concept would have been fine. It's just I think it was too much like wrapping of presents over and over again. Like you, 
to to do and maybe you know maybe we might decide to like go back to it or like who knows but so now what we're doing is the like middle ground is we're still using those little like initialed stickers like hey someone actually like looked at this and like you know qc'd this we're putting that little sticker like on the little note that we send with the mark ii and then that's just going in the sealed package so it seems like a pretty good compromise it's probably not the best solution but i don't if i knew the best solution we'd do that but. so right now the pen is going in the little pouch right mm-hmm. and then the pouch yeah, it's going in one of those little heat sealed pouch yeah okay does the pouch go inside of anything no well I so, mean, just yeah, the so we, shipping container yeah the shipping it's a bubble wrap or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Shipping we don't pick that shipping yeah. container like the fulfillment company picks the the shipping like envelope Receptacle. or whatever it is whatever yeah, it would be the vessel. Yeah, it could be an envelope to some places could be a box to others you know yeah. it's like yeah. whatever the it needs to make it on its way mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. yeah okay. but yeah so it's a little heat sealed thing which are actually really cool the heat, the heat sealed things are really cool but uh and so yeah I, it's uh I think it will be good. I, I mean, I th- I like it. It's good. Yeah. No, I think it's nice. And even the, but even the initialing of the little sticker and then applying it to the little note. As I was doing it, I was again questioning, like, have we gone too far? Like, is this too much labor putting into this process with not enough payoff on the other end? of the customer getting it and receiving that message of, you know, oh, I see now that this, you know, there was care put into this or whatever. I certainly, I think that's going to contribute somewhat, but, you know, how much does the initial sticker add versus just the letter, you know, like that's hard to gauge and um, we might never fully know. We'll we'll never know. Like, we'll never know. (laughs) I think the thing that would... My like, read on it us. would be like the sticker would be better if it was sealing something, which I think was the original idea, right? But you've now mm-hmm, already done mm-hmm. a sticker, so you're gonna do like maybe yeah. if the letter was signed, like if the card was signed, like maybe that would be a better way to do that post this initial. Yeah, if we were doing this from scratch, we would. Uh, the plan was to have like a the letter that has like a a blank space where you could initial. Uh, like kind of in line and mm-hmm. it like it, it made sense and that would probably be the ideal um but again like sunk cost fallacy like we have so many of these letters that we already printed in. yeah and also uh, the stickers are already done yeah, right so stickers, you may as well just like oh, i might as well use these but yeah and that so that's actually a kind of a nice transition to like waste and uh and then and uh like accepting imperfection so like those letters are they're little like kind of three by five and then they're tri-folded and uh they're nice they turned out fine but they're like a couple little nitpicky things that bothered us about it um one of them that's like really nitpicky is like the creases are like going through text whereas if we like reposition things slightly we could have the creases hitting like in between lines or in between paragraphs basically um and then another nitpicky thing is like when they did the the cutting like they obviously printed on bigger sheets and I, and then it seems like they fold them up and then uh 
cut them, like probably just cutting in half or something. Uh, it's like, if it's not, if the cut is not perfectly perpendicular, even if it's like half a degree off or something, then you get a little bit of like a zigzag when you open the letter, if that makes sense. Like it creates like a Z kind of along that cut edge because it's not perfectly perpendicular. So these are things that it's like, well, that is not perfect. And like, I noticed it. I wonder if like a customer would notice that and what they would think about that. But then it's like, okay, are we going to just like trash all of these letters that they printed? Like, so they can redo them uh, to fix these like two tiny little nitpicks. You know, it's like if you're Apple, it's like, yes, they probably would do that. But, it, you know, it, it, it's a hard and, thing to know also and a hard thing Apple, to do. You could force that company to recycle them. Yeah. If you're not Apple, the company's going to do whatever they want and they're probably not going to recycle them. Yeah. yeah it's all it's yeah so it is uh you know this packaging stuff is always uh it's like at one point it seems like wow it's like not important but it also is like really important (laughs) and it goes back to that thing we were talked about like a couple episodes ago or i don't know whenever of just like feeling like the kind of trend in these like direct-to-consumer brands that are on instagram or whatever right now is to like we were saying like kind of ape um like craft you know and so it's like even though it might be a large like faceless like chinese corporation that is like selling this thing the branding is all about like how personal it is and like how it's like indie and stuff and because that's like the kind of zeitgeist of like branding at this point it's really hard you want to, and because we're like authentically that, we want to be able to show that. And so it feels like it's worthwhile in the packaging to, you know, actually do an authentic job of like expressing that. Yeah. But, but I think maybe it's just, you just need to include a, a Polaroid, you know, like in all of them. That's right. The stand takes a selfie every time, just throws it in the package. <laughs> hey! That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's all we need. Or like Become our, fi- let's just like fingerprint each one. Let's like put like ink or something <laughs> on. Like, or just like purposely make a big fingerprint on like a polished metal or something. Like, hey, look. <laughs> packaging feels know. like a real challenge. Like I've not considered packaging yet, but for anything, mm-hmm. I don't. It's not really yeah. something I think about and I can't imagine needing to think about in any serious way for a while just because like, mm-hmm which are shrink wrap things and put them in the shipping boxes right like it's right it's it's yeah. relatively simple to do but the, but it, i can see how complicated it can become because i also know that i my personal like tendencies i think is similar to yours or it's like i want to spend a lot of money on this and make it really nice like that's just my that's kind of like where i w- i know i will start and and coming back from that, I would find, I think, to be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think yeah. I also, and I don't know, like, it's, again, a lot of this stuff is just your gut, right? But my gut feeling is that, like, the unboxing experience of a premium product is important. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. I don't know if that's the case, but it's how I, it's how I feel. And so, like... If I was making somebody, if I was asking someone to spend a premium on something, I would want to make that experience good. But then you are also battling the like, at a certain point, is just an element of good just waste? Like, Because as you, you very right. nicely put it, Dan, to just say, it's just all trash at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> it is actually just, you were just 
you are shipping trash to people is what you're doing and it's like a really weird way of of thinking about it but it's it's actually quite succinct i i enjoy that yeah yeah i mean i think tom said it well too where it's like we're we're really trying to communicate two things at once whereas we have this pen that, again, like the idea is like perfection. It's like this machined object that is very nice. It's like a, a luxury, like nice thing to own. But putting it in a like hinged box that a nice like Mont Blanc pen or something or a nice fountain pen would be in does not feel like the right thing to communicate for us and our company, even though perhaps the pen fits in that kind of category of object, it's we need to communicate that like <laughs> we're two like scrappy dudes making nice things instead of like we're a you know a Rolex or you know like a hundred. Well, I think company, there's a huge know? difference. We're not making luxury items, right? We're yeah. making quality items but they're not luxury and i think that's the big difference like if we made a pin that was like a luxury item like had like diamonds on it and stuff then yeah it probably needs to come in like a leather hinged box but you do i mean i've said this to you before brad says it like you make pens of a quality level that you could charge way more money and would then put them in boxes, like the, yeah. The, but the brand is not a luxury brand. I think just to actual actually still, support that though, the, the, you would the, need. The, there are many pen makers who make pens of you know that are also good, like really good quality. Like your pens are really good quality, and they charge way more than you guys do. But yeah. you're working in a different world, which I understand and appreciate. You know your customer, right? Like. Yeah. If you were selling the Mark One purely to pen enthusiasts, you could charge more money. But mm-hmm. you're not, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so, like, I fully understand the decisions that you've made with the product, right? Like, you are trying to get fussy people, like particular people, to buy this product, which they will love. But you've got to first try and convince them to spend seventy five. 65 85 whatever the price point is like of i don't remember mm-hmm. man like for a pen which to a lot of those people is like whoa what their fr- pens yeah. are free you know <laughs> yeah. i think there's a level i think the thing that we tr- are like trying to communicate like my holy grail of packaging and honestly what's so funny i think the first packaging we ever designed for the glyph did this really well is it was like the most efficient and clever packaging I think we've ever had. Uh, basically, the there was like, you know, the original glyph that was like just a piece of plastic that just like kind of snugged on an iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. The packaging was a die cut like craft piece of cardboard with some printing on it. And then the glyph like snugged into it, like it held on to the packaging itself. And so it was like the most efficient thing. It was like literally a glyph like it floating kind of on the center of this card, no wrap, no anything. It was just like, and it was clever and efficient. And we, we went away, we changed that packaging eventually because it had problems, like real world problems. But that kind of level of like cleverness and efficiency uh, is the kind of holy grail, I think for us still in packaging where it's like, it shows like thoughtfulness basically like mm. shows through like, oh, these people like really thought about this packaging and, oh, look how efficient it is. It's so nice. And we actually got a lot of feedback from customers with that initial 
packaging, like, oh, I love how like efficient this is. And I think that is something that we really strive for. And so I think to, that's like the apex for me is like, if, if we could communicate, like, th there's a lot of thought that went into this packaging and, but it's really nice. And I can tell that this is like a quality product. Like that's all we need to do. Um, but when you start getting down the road of like, you know, we've used like die cut foam and all kinds of stuff in our packaging that makes it really nice, but it's like super not efficient. It, it's like feels like in every part mm -hmm. of the process, it's not efficient. Like when we get a shipment of the foam die cut foam packaging, it's like, so annoying because it's like in these huge like cubes of foam and they're like if you open it you can never get it closed again and it's like just a nightmare and then you have all this space and then you're making foam which just sucks because it's like plastic and so although i think that used to communicate like oh look how nice this is it's like so protected it also is just kind of like wasteful feeling but once you like try to get away from those like materials and those, it's just like really hard. Like there's not that many options. So it's, I don't know. It's, it, it uh, I don't know if we'll ever get there, but um, it is fun. I mean, it is a fun, it's kind of a fun journey, but uh, it's, it is difficult, but we'll see. Well, because the reality is always you can't go so far away that then your products are getting damaged. Exactly. Yeah. Like this, there's the a lie. whole point is somebody's paid for the product and you need to get it to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh yeah, but it I mean all, almost every packaging decision we've made when we like redesigned them, it, it has been uh, usually because of like damage or some practical reason like that. Like the cosmonaut went through like th three iterations of packaging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the first one was kind of cool. It was like a box. It was like a box with a sleeve and the sleeve was really awesome. It was like this starry like graphics of like the moon and stars and stuff. And then you like opened the box and there was a tray and the tray had rocket wings printed on it and the cosmonaut was sitting in the middle. So it looked like a rocket. Uh, and that was like awesome, except for the fact that like often the cosmonaut would fall out of the tray in transit. <laughs> so you didn't get the cool like rocket effect. Mm -hmm. And it was leaving because it was like craft which is like that kind of like raw, like cardboardy looking paper. Uh, it was leaving like dust on the cosmonaut. So that was cool, really and it cool. Was, and it was a pain to fold those boxes too. Yeah, like so it was, too yeah, it was a huge pain to fold the boxes. So then we went to this really cool tube where it was like a telescoping, like two piece tube. And it was printed all cool and everything. Um, and, but it was just like really expensive and kind of a pain and I think and if uh if oh, yeah. <laughs> whoever was putting the cosmonaut in the tube put it in backwards like quote unquote backwards where the the tip was facing out it was like almost impossible to remove the cosmonaut from the tube because there was nothing there's nothing to grab onto and so it's like and we well, had reviews like we had reviews on amazon where someone that happened and they were like using the cosmonaut in the tube, thinking that was the oh, product. No, and they're like, so this sad. doesn't work that well. <laughs> it's so like, sad. wait a minute, you didn't unwrap it all the way. <laughs> and so, but then the current, the current uh, iteration of the cosmonaut packaging is just one of those heat sealed like package things. And it's like, it feels like after doing that, it's like, oh yeah, this was way easier and better in every way. And thinking back about all the other options, it was just like, oh, we were just being cute. 
Like Mm -hmm. we were just being like overly precious and cute. And maybe that was good and worth it. But at this point, at least in the company, it's just like, we don't need to be so cute. Uh, (laughs) And so I think. Right. But you see, this is, this is what I was saying, right? Like, because five years ago, 10 years ago, being cute was what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When now I would say that, like, for a, like for a lot of companies like yours, being sustainable is what is expected. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. you are, that's the reason you do it, but I'm just saying, like, I think that sustainability and reducing waste is becoming more of the thing that shows yeah. the type of company that you are to the type of customers that you may have. I feel like that might be the current, like, quote unquote, trend in this yeah. type of packaging, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah, happened sure. to cork? Uh, oh, well, so we did cork, you know, we did cork for the Mark 1 and yeah. we still will for a while. We might switch. Uh, that was another like being really cute. I mean, it's cool. Like to, as a reminder, the Mark 1 comes in these two pieces of cork where they each can act as like a desk tray for the pin. Mm-hmm. And that packaging is cool because it is really efficient and like actually useful and cork is like recyclable and like biodegradable and stuff. So that's all good and not that crazy expensive. And you've hit the but second R, is... right? Reuse. That's the... mm-hmm. That's right. You can reuse it. Yeah. Reuse it. Yep. But it's also, it does feel a little superfluous. It does feel like a little superfluous. Like, well, it does feel like a little cute in a way. <laughs> so I don't know what the future of Mark 1 packaging will be. I mean, we still have cork to use, so we're, we don't have to make that decision yet. But um, we went down the road of thinking about doing that for the Mark II. Like, that was our first thought. Like, oh, maybe we can do some other cork thing because we like it. But we just eventually just got away from it because I think we realized we didn't need it and we could just be simpler. Um, and so, cork, yeah. I th- cork has some of the same problems as craft paper and that it leaves little dusties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it sheds a little bit. Um, and so there's the annoying aspect of kind of having to brush them or air blow them or something or, you know, try to clean them essentially. Um, And it's never quite perfect. So that's like, it might just be like all roads lead to like the heat sealed pouch thing because (laughs) it's so just like clean and kind of simple. Um, And so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, we, we, with the cork, we ordered a bunch to begin with. And then didn't, they accidentally made like twice as much as we asked for or something. Not twice as much, but more, like a decent amount more. It was like a pretty big overage. And so we were like, well, we don't need this much cork. (laughs) And then I think we like worked, we like worked out a deal where they sold it, the the overage at a discount or something. Uh, So we have a lot of it. Uh, We've made a huge dent in the supply for sure so we'll probably yeah. have to make this decision like next year sometime but uh yeah, yeah not necessarily soon talking about the mark one can we mm-hmm. do some merciless fundraising promotion oh yeah so do you so we are currently uh we're raising money for saint jude children's research hospital and relay fm this month uh because september is childhood cancer awareness month and for the third consecutive year, Relay FM is supporting the life-saving mission of St. Jude's Children's Resource Hospital, which is quite simple. Finding cures and saving children. Because cancer kills more children under the age of 14 than any other disease. 
doctors from all 50 states around the uh, all 50 states of the US and around the world refer their patients to St. Jude because they have the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive childhood cancers. And St. Jude also provides thousands of free consultations for doctors treating children worldwide including kids in every community. They're also a global uh, that like they 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 would work around the globe. So like they're they're working with the WHO. It's a global initiative for childhood cancer, and they're working to raise the survival rate of six common childhood cancers to sixty percent by twenty thirty around the globe. So this September, you can join the Relay FM community uh, in supporting St Jude. We've already come together. We've raised over half a million dollars this year, which is just simply astounding. Woo-hoo. Uh, thank you to so much to everyone who has donated, but you can still donate. We're, we're going to continue to fundraising all the way through the end of September. Go to stjude.org slash relay and you can donate. If your company does donation matching, please send us an email at steven at relay.fm and we can add that into our campaign too. And it can also double your donation. So go to St. Jude, S-T-J-U-D-E, stjude.org slash relay to help support St. Jude and we can cure, and we can cure childhood cancer together. That's right. Because, I mean, who likes childhood cancer? No one. <laughs> no one. What? Uh, Not a single. If there's one cause we can get behind. <laughs> uh, yeah. But as one of the cool things uh, we wanted to do was um, we have a couple, like a very few of like remaining extras for the special editions we've done for the Mark One. And so uh, we have a couple sets that we are uh, raffling off. So if you do um, donate to the St. Jude. St. Jude.org slash relay is what Tom's looking (laughs) for there. If you do go to uh, St. Jude.org slash relay and donate, uh, let us know um, and send us an email and we will put you in the kind of drawing for the wrap to raffling off these two special pins that we have yeah specifically forward your receipt to hello at studioneat.com and And it has to be at least ten dollars yes preferably way more loads more (laughs) loads more so i so yeah i actually i wrote merciless fundraising in here and i those i chose those words specifically uh because i think it's kind of an interesting thing i've been thinking about this and you know we did this uh you know this raffle thing and i was thinking oh man i think we kind of i thinking of ways to do it differently next year where it's like oh maybe we should like do it kind of towards the end and um maybe we should like raise the uh, minimum for how much you have to pledge to be included in the raffle. Or maybe you have to, uh, you have to like comment a certain message in the donation to like make it included. And like all of these ideas are geared toward extracting as much money as possible out of people's pockets. (laughs) And it's like a, it's a strange uh, and kind of honestly kind of a fun mindset to be in because if you were thinking this way for a company, uh, it would feel very gross. Oh, I love it. I love it, man. I love, I love being able to, because I say things that I would never usually say. So, uh-huh. like, for example, many times I've said, and I'll say it now, if you've donated once, great, do it again. 
Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's <laughs> a good I example. Where, I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So like I was thinking of it where it's like, so for example, every, usually like once a year we'll have like a, uh, holiday discount code at studio neat. We'll send it out in our email. And oftentimes someone will email and be like, Oh, I literally just bought something yesterday. Like, can you apply this code retroactively to my order and the answer is yeah sure of course like why wouldn't i do that that'd be real i'd be a real jerk like if i was like nope you missed the cutoff but for this thing it's like oh dang i already donated like can i be included in the raffle and it's like nope you have to donate again <laughs> i don't care nope, donate again. Donate again. <laughs> yeah because it's like what are you the gonna goal say is so, the it's, goal it, is so pure uh-huh. to get literally as much money out of people's pockets <laughs> as possible like there's no you can't you know it's like you know with our stuff it's if people are like oh you know i'm i i, I have to wait for my next like paycheck to like pay for this pen or whatever and there's a part of me that's like just don't buy this pen like you know like we don't want you to be stretched or, or whatever but for when the end goal is childhood cancer uh it's like yeah man like let's go for it and let's try to extract you don't need as to much eat tonight yeah <laughs> it does yeah, it does so. feel, it feels good it does feel good to be so like unabashed about mm-hmm. it and like, so, like <laughs> yeah. i know not everybody can donate and like if you can't then like you you're hearing the message you just don't do it right but right. i would say that the vast majority of our listenership i know they can right so I want them to. And the great thing is they keep doing it, you know, like every mm-hmm. year so far, and we don't know the result this year, but I'm sure it's going to be the case. We have more individual donators every time, right? So like mm-hmm. it, it, there's a part of audience growth, which is one, but I think, and I've heard this kind of anecdotally from some people too. It's just like, for some reason, they just didn't do it one year or whatever, but now they're going to start, and then those people mm-hmm. will do it every year. You know, like, and I know yeah. that that's like a great thing is we have a bunch of people, they're just going to donate every year. They know it's coming, uh, they're ready for it. You know, like I've heard, we heard from a lot of listeners, it's like they may have done a corporate match for a charity earlier in the year, a year previous, but now they know, like, if they get their corporate matching amount, maybe they're going to hold on to it and they'll do their maximum that they can do and they'll put it all to St. Jude. And like you mm-hmm. know, people just get used to it now. It's like a part of our calendar. It's becoming a bigger part of our calendar, kind of a more important part of our calendar every year now. And we, mm-hmm. like me and Stephen, have like moved like responsibilities that we have as the company, like moved them to different times of the year now to like make space, yeah. like more mm-hmm, space, mm-hmm. like something that we're doing this year, which I'm sure will only increase. Like, so we do a lot of like content and streams and all that kind of stuff. In previous years, it's like podcast-a-thon, whilst being the middle of the month, was like the end. But we're not mm-hmm. doing it this time. We're still doing lots of extra stuff afterwards, and I'm sure it's going to keep going. Like the podcast-a-thon is just like the midway marker. It's like a, it is mm-hmm. our biggest thing. Like we raise more money that day than we by a large factor than we raise any any other amount. This year we raised a hundred and ten thousand dollars, I think, during the eight-hour show. Wow, and like you know, we don't raise that kind of money every day. If we did, my right. word, you know. But like, we're not expecting it because as well, I know that there are people that hold their donation for the podcast of time, which make. I mean, I understand why people do it. I think that makes sense because like, the money means things happen, you know, during the show. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how you like you stack these things. 
But, you know, like, you know, we do this thing for eight, eight hours and I probably tell people to donate like 700 times or something. And, and, and mm-hmm. it, it is re- it, there is a funness to that of being able to be so merciless. I actually kind of like that as like a phrase. It's just like, I don't care. Just give money. Like, just do it. Uh, similarly, okay, like... Well, so- let me let me try to do as hard of a sell as I can All on right. these Mark One pins. Do okay, it. I'm going to be real merciless here. I, love I it. have here. Let let me for right now. If, listen to this, everyone. Okay, that was a click. Right, I'm holding right now our uh, our second limited edition Mark One, and it's a nice blue, shiny. Looks completely awesome. But the the real gym the real is gym. the first limited edition yeah. we've ever done. It was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing mission. This pin is insane. It's all stainless steel. It's heavy and polished by hand with a super awesome engraving on it. Now, there's only like, I don't know, just a couple of those in the world. And you, dear listener, could be the owner of that one and this limited edition thing. And you would just feel so awesome sitting at your desk having a pin. And so I implore you to go to stjude.org slash relay and donate well, at I least $100. Give me one second. I can do additional Foley work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you, have, do you have the... So we can prove here, right? So this is an original. This is the Apollo. It's much nicer. Mm. It sounds heavy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's the I I love all Mark ones, but I love the Apollo the most. It's the one that I use every day because this is a very serious piece of equipment, and I yeah, know that serious. there are a lot of people that missed out on it. Right? This yeah. is your only chance to get one. This is your only chance because they do, oh, they'll well, never the get to be on sale again. Mention, the coating on the pin is like what comes on like the highest like the super fancy DLC watches in the world. It's like this PVD DLC coating. It's like super awesome and crazy. Mm-hmm. You, you That will never happen again, I promise you. We'll never make another Mark I that's like sh- sh- polished, unpolished. That's never going to happen again. So it was so hard you, all, to do the first time. <laughs> all you need to do, all you need to do is just go to stjude.org slash relay and donate at least $100. I mean, you could do 10 but it probably needs to be at least $100. <laughs> if you, if you want pins. Tom's appreciation. <laughs> I will say this. When people forward their donations and it's only $10, there's some judgment happening. Oh. <laughs> I'll just say. Okay? <laughs> and you just need to forward the receipt for your donation to hello at studioneat.com. And Dan will manually uh, put your little name into a spreadsheet. And then we're going to pick... We're gonna pick the the a couple winners whenever the month is over, and then we'll send them to you, and we'll probably write you a nice note or something when we send them. And you put because... a little sticker on it. Yeah, at least <laughs> a, a sticker. sticker. We got loads of them. <laughs> Do whatever, you know. Do you so want anyways. some deli wrap? We can throw some deli wrap in there. <laughs> Free deli wrap to the winners. <laughs> That's right. So you have your mission because who likes childhood cancer? Nobody. We you established know, that. No one. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> I think you're, if you don't donate, I think you're saying you like childhood cancer. <laughs> now, now we're going. We're on a different yeah, plane far, here maybe. now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going to think. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Need. 
can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 72.